1: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Colorado Avalanche have advanced to the Stanley Cup Finals, and Tampa Bay has tied their series with the New York Rangers. So things are really, really heating up. In the Stanley Cup playoffs. First, let's talk about Colorado advancing, sweeping the Edmonton Oilers for nothing in their series, an end to an incredible postseason run by both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisidel. Taylor, what are your main takeaways coming away from that series and looking ahead for Colorado going into the cup finals?
0: So, I think that as of now, the favor for Consmois should still be Connor McDavid, uh, basically because of the, the three rounds that he had. It's never happened. Uh, the last time a person that didn't win the Stanley Cup won the Conn Smythe was Jean-Sebastien Chaguerre in 2003. Legend. But his team lost in game seven of the Cup. So, like, there's that. Uh, McDavid only made the conference final. Now, Brendan, you might know this. It's happened two times in recent history that someone has not made the Cup but still led the playoffs in scoring and is both the same guy. This was not a quiz we did, like, two years ago. Ooh, this is tough. I feel like I know the answer, but I'm blanking. Who is it? Peter Forsberg. Wow. Okay. Nice. So he got like no conspite consideration. Cause that's also crazy. Cause like, where, when do you give it to him? He's not, <laughs> he's not at the game. Right. They just like just in case, but I'm just saying, if I was a voter I'd consider it and then whatever you can mail it to him. It's not like you don't have his address. He finishes with 10 goals, 23 assists and 33 points in only 16 games. Unfortunately, the series against Calgary, uh, I was not expecting that to only go five games. This series against Colorado, four games. He didn't get that many games to play. He was at over two points a game for the playoffs. And uh, unbelievable, the best playoff front I've ever seen. But I also have to give a shout out to Leon Dreisaitl with one of the most uh, impressive playoff performances I've ever seen. He finishes only a point behind him with 32 points. By the way, to clarify, in the 2000s, McDavid without making the cup and with only playing 16 games, I believe had either the third or fourth most points that anyone's had only three points off the leader and Evgeny Malkin. So if either of the one of the last two series just went, got a game longer or two games longer, like if they beat Calgary in six and lost to Colorado in five, no cup, he would have had still the most points uh, of anyone in the 21st century. So Leon right behind him also ahead of multiple consummate winners from recent years, Seven goals, 25 assists in 32 games. He was on pace for well over 100 assists over an 82-game season, but the way he played in the playoffs, which is unbelievable. 32 points overall. That's exactly two points a game. And what makes it more impressive is he had a high ankle sprain uh, as of game six. And you could tell – game six – sorry, game six of the first round against Los Angeles. And you could start to really tell in the last two games – of the Western conference final that it was, especially in the last game, that it was really, really bothering me. It was, had been aggravated in some way, but he was dealing with it the whole time and he was still easily uh, making some of the best passes we've ever seen. Uh, one of the reasons that we knew that Colorado was done when we record, or sorry, Edmonton was done record this on Friday is Evander Kane, uh, who of course had a very good postseason with 13 goals and 15 games Nice to play with Connor McDavid. Uh, made an incredibly stupid and dirty play on Nazem Kadri in game three, mm. knocking Kadri out for at least a little while. I assume he is doubtful to, to start the cup, which is unfortunate because he'd been having a really good playoffs and a very interesting playoffs, to say the least. So that's something else. And then I just want to mention one more person at Edmonton Zach Hyman had 11 goals in the playoffs. Wow. That is more than he had in all of his Toronto playoff runs combined.
1: Good for him. Good for yeah, him.
0: Yeah, Pretty wild. Pretty wild. But, yeah, moving on to Colorado, they've almost been overlooked, even though they're the favorite, just because uh, people were talking about how exciting and interesting Edmonton was, like all the things that have been going on. You know, you had McDavid's crazy pace, Drysdale's pace just behind him, these other guys I'm mentioning – and then also you have Mike Smith, the most exciting man in hockey. <laughs> it's easy to overlook uh, Colorado stars because they're also a star laden team. I guess there's a difference. Edmonton and the Rangers, who we'll get to later, I, what I would call stars and scrubs rosters. You don't see them in hockey that much. The Sabres tried that out about six years ago. Uh, the Rangers have like four of the best players in the world and a whole pile of crap after that. Not not everyone, but it's not good depth. Whereas Colorado has some of the best players in the world, and just depth all the way through. It's it's insane, and that's two sweeps now. They beat a very very tough St. Louis team that was getting great goaltending in six games. That's that's also wildly impressive. And just looking at some of these guys, I think the new favorite for Conn Smythe, um, it's you know, like is, yeah, yeah. is probably Kel McCarr. He's twenty two points in fourteen games. That should not be overlooked. It can't be overlooked because just because how great McDavid's been. What is the last time you remember a defenseman playing at that kind of pace?
1: Never. <laughs> like, it's insane.
0: Yeah. So, like, off the top of my head, the last defenseman to win the Smythe was Victor Hedman two years ago mm-hmm. in the bubble. Before that, it was Duncan Keith who had 21 points. He's about basically a point a game player in the 2015 playoffs. Three goals, 18 assists, 21 points. Makar has five goals, 17 assists, 22 points in 14 games.
1: Just crazy. Just crazy. And I think the thing that's important to remember with Makar, too, is that obviously we all, you know, give him his props for his offensive ability, but goddamn, he is good in his own zone, too. His control, his poise that he plays with. I mean, you know, look no further than the highlight that we all saw where it was the one-on-one with McDavid just burning down the boards through the neutral zone into a one-on-one with Makar. And he just makes such a simple and poised poke check to break up a play from a guy that again was playing possessed and is far and away the best player in the world right now. It's really remarkable to see a guy that, you know, this isn't like, this is like the I I shouldn't say this isn't this is essentially like having the highs of like prime time Eric Carlson on offense, while also being pretty much just as good as in your own zone as well. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy to see what he's been able to do. And, you know, again, it's just uh, for a guy like that, like the sky is the limit. You know, I I mean, it's it's funny to think because of just how good he is and how good he's been that this year was only his third season in the NHL, his third year in the league. And he put up 86 points this year. He's probably going to score 30 goals next year in the regular season. He scored 28 this year. The guy is just out of his mind. He's 23 years old only. Next year will be his age 24 season. It's crazy to think that things are just going to continue to go up from here for him, but that is the reality that we're looking at here. And man, oh man, this guy is going to just be getting, you know, we'll see. He ends up getting the consmite this year, but Norris trophies are obviously in the conversation, but it's
0: not going to be long before we're going to be talking about MVPs for him too. Yeah. I think he has real potential to be the best defenseman probably since Lidstrom. Yeah. I would agree with that. I think also
1: Speaking of goal scoring, got to give a shout out to
0: Nathan McKinnon, 11 goals in 14 games. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's another thing that's kind of overlooked. Obviously, Evander Kane having 13 and 15, but he's done now. Uh, McKinnon is someone that's had a ton of points in the playoffs in recent years and doesn't have quite the assists he had. I don't know why that is. I'm guessing it's probably a little bit of a, that's just a circumstances thing. But yeah, 11 goals. And I guess I you got to shout him out as a, a potential Conn Smythe guy if they win. Because what if, you know, If he has like five goals in the cup and he ends up with like 16 goals, that's a pretty crazy playoff run. I don't know the last time that happened. So that that'd be something to to watch out for too. I think to me, he's the only other guy I would think on Colorado that has a chance uh, to win Smythe. Now here's a stat that is kind of crazy. Kale McCarr and Devin Tays have both been in the lineup for 78 games so far this season. So they've played together 78 times, regular season and playoffs. The Avalanche are 63, nine and six. And have outscored their opponents by 121 goals in those games. <laughs> <laughs> the oh boy! Video game numbers, man. Yeah, it's absurd. I mean, basically, besides their little stumble at the beginning of the season, Colorado's been insanely dominant, and it just seemed like the you know they didn't win the President's Trophy. I'm not sure how much that's going to matter, but in terms of thinking about them historically. They're easily the second best team in the regular season, but I think I would argue going into the playoffs that they were the most complete team, the fewest question marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause just going over this, some other stars in their team, usually when you're in the playoffs and you have a run like this, there's at least someone on your team. That's not scoring. Even if there's playing, even if they're playing well, but you have Landis Gog has eight goals and 17 points in 14 games. Randon has five goals and 17 points in 14 games. Kadri had 14 and 13. So that is, five guys that are over a point per game in the playoffs. That's crazy. And that's not even to mention, uh, Arturi Lekkinen, who be a great, great trivia question to answer someday, two years in a row for different teams scored the overtime goal to send his team to the Stanley cup final. Yeah. Last
1: year, of course, with, uh, with Montreal as well. And it, you know, to your point too, Taylor, about them having five guys who are over a point per game, there's also guys that are on the doorstep or are still being really productive. I mean, Lekkinen has 11 points in 14 games. Devin Taze has 13 points in 14 games. Nishkinen has nine points in 14 games. You know, oh, he getting, was
0: great in game three.
1: Oh, yeah. And you're getting secondary scoring too, and guys stepping up. I mean, Comfer had two goals in this series. You know, Manson has been a solid presence for them on the back end and has been producing a little bit there. Bowen Byram still with how young and inexperienced he is, has been, been pretty solid for them on the blue line as well. Uh, he had an assist in game three, I believe. So they're getting it from, from both ends of the ice and, you know, even in goal as well. I mean, I know that there's question marks, obviously, with Kemper and wondering with his health and everything, with him coming back from injury. But Pavel Francouz has been holding strong for them. He's 6-0 and in the playoffs this year. So, with four starts I should say two twice coming in relief so it's in every phase of the game. Colorado has just been dominant and it's going to be tough to see uh you know I mean I think it'll be a great matchup if it's Tampa I think New York it's going to be might be a little rough but again you're talking about in New York's case you know the second best goalie in the world potentially. So why don't do we want to transition over to the east now?
0: Yeah, so one more thing, though, with Colorado. Oh, yeah, go ahead. This playoff run where they're twelve and two so far, uh, it's even more impressive they're doing that without getting good goaltending. Kemper is obviously hurt. In the games he played, he was an eight ninety seven. And our dude Pavel, either Francois or Francois, I never looked up the pronunciation. If he, you know, wins the Stanley Cup, maybe I will. Yeah. Um, he's a nine oh six. That's not that great. He's undefeated as a nine oh six save percentage though.
1: Francois is probably uh, better. Francois has got to be the name, right? Sorry for mispronouncing that. My bad.
0: Oh, no. I mean, honestly, I don't know. It just looks, I mean, I assume it's Francois. That sounds French. Right? He's actually
1: from the Czech Republic.
0: Well, no, I'm definitely, I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I, I didn't even think of Pavel. Pavel's definitely not French.
1: Hmm. Uh, well, maybe, maybe it's we'll French. figure Cole. it out someday.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Let's just yeah. yeah anyway, for now. He may or may not be the starter in the couple we we'll see. If anybody
1: who's listening knows the correct pronunciation, keep it to yourself. We don't want to know.
0: <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's the total opposite of what's going on in the East. Like, they're not, they're not getting killed by their goaltending, but they're not getting – I don't know if there's been any games where it's like, wow, the goaltending really did uh, their opponent in that night because they had games, especially in the first round against Nashville and maybe even recently against Edmonton uh game two for example but that's just like their defense just absolutely slamming the door shut like we mentioned their two best defensemen already and you mentioned gerard as well and there's always manson i mean they basically have six really good defensemen, ranging room, yeah. from like good to best defenseman in the league there's no they're one not that's even just, like, hit, and you know what that's
1: a good point too is that right now they're not even playing with gerard anymore because he's been hurt he hasn't played that's since true
0: game three of the st louis series that's true yeah gerard's he's <laughs> they don't even need him it can just get rid of their third best defense when it's no big deal. I mean, this is like an example of why this depth is so crazy to me. I mentioned Duncan Keith winning in uh, 2015. He had to step up and play way more games because of uh, injury on defense. I don't actually remember who was hurt or not. And they, they had their third pair that they played like seven minutes a game because they just couldn't play him. And I want to say it was, oh man, it was like old chemo and then a, a, a rookie, you know, yeah, baby, chemo teaming in. So, also, it looks like Fran. It's Fran So's? Fran so? Yeah, I guess so. Hmm. I well, like it
1: being a mystery.
0: Yeah, maybe it is a mystery. Um. Yeah, so I I don't know if you remember that in the in the 2015 playoffs, but like even yeah. a great and deep team like Chicago winning their third cup, it was like one to injury to the middle of the line of defensemen and they had to change everything. So much that they gave Duncan Keith, you know, the uh the con Smythe for how much he had to play. Right. Yeah. So moving on to the east though, uh, this is all tied up now. And suddenly it looks like kind of looks like Tampa's kind of in control of the series. I don't know. What's your read on that?
1: Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think the momentum has completely shifted. I think, you know, last episode, or was it was either last episode or the one before I had referenced a quote from Ryan Reeves that was right before game three of him saying that when you have a team like Tampa against the ropes, like you got to keep pushing the knife in and you, you can't give them any kind of room. And now they have breathing room and this is what happens. You know, you had the opportunity to go up three to nothing against the two time Stan or two time back-to-back repeating Stanley cup champion. And here's where we are now. It's a tie series. It feels like the momentum has completely shifted at this point. I mean, I don't know. I, uh, you know, I know we've been kind of jokingly we rag on the Rangers and everything, but how can you not think that this series is not Tampa's to lose at this point? So, you know, game five is coming in New York on Thursday night. Uh, the tonight. night everyone will be listening to this. Oh, is yeah. that tonight?
0: No, no, no. I mean, that's when people are listening to it is tonight.
1: Yeah. Right. That's a, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I mean, you know, last game Tampa ends up coming away with a four to one victory and it just, I don't know if this is something that the Rangers are built to overcome. And I think that this was the, really the big concern coming into this series in the first place is that Tampa is just battle tested. This team has been on back-to-back cup runs and just when you think maybe the fatigue is starting to sink in, they they play how they have the past two games and they've just completely taken over and changed the way that this series has been dictated. I mean, I don't think that I've thought all along, even when it was two, nothing, I I was felt pretty confident that Tampa was going to come away in this series. So yeah, I think honestly, Uh, I'd be surprised if this goes to seven games. I I think Tampa is just rolling right now and then they're going to get there. And I think also for what it's worth, too, it would make for a more entertaining Stanley Cup. I think that would be a really competitive series between Tampa and Colorado. At the same time, though, I mean, you know, you got to give credit to Igor Shesterkin and what he's been able to do for this Rangers team this year you know, as we've talked about pretty at length, the first half of the season, he was playing at like a Dominic Hasek level in terms of keeping the Rangers afloat. And while he may be cooled off a little bit in the second half and down the stretch, you know, he, again, is the engine that really makes that team move. And, you know, it can't be understated what a, or overstated, I should say, what a great year he has had for them. I'm not trying to say this to make it seem like, you know, they're already dead or anything like that, but I, I just think that, After uh, not being able to shut the door in game three, the blood was in the water and and now Tampa is just, they're not going to let them even get back into it. What do you think?
0: Yeah. So, so Sirkin's been very good. Like you mentioned, he's a 9.29. He's basically of everyone that's advanced past one round or has played more than one round. He's been the best goalie of ever, basically everyone in the East, but, And you know what? He's been the best goalie in the playoffs. I'll just say that. I'm not going to count one round of Ottinger or like five games of Bennington out of him. He's been the best at 929 save percentage. But here's the thing. You know who's been the second best? Andre Vasilevsky. He has a 925 save percentage. He has multiple incredible games. He frankly, to me, he played two of the three most dangerous offensive teams in the NHL in Toronto and and, uh, Florida. And could play another one next round in Colorado. That'd be that would complete the trifecta. He's been incredible, especially when he's needed to be, like when they're like we need a shutout right now, for example, in Florida or against uh, Game Seven for against Toronto. He's uh, he's almost been as good as Shesterkin. That's a real problem for the Rangers if Asilevsky keeps playing like this, especially like he did on Tuesday night, because. You really just have to rely on your power play. And it's not, it's been different this past, but that's not something you really want to do. Like, sabanajad has been awesome. Chris Kreider, still been good, not as quite as dangerous as the regular season. Panarin, probably not where you wanted to be. Adam Fox has been great. But this is what I was getting at earlier with the Stars and Scrub rosters thing. So now, Ch- Chattel, is that how you spell his name? Say his name? Uh,
1: oh, Cheetle, I uh, mean? Cheetle.
0: Yeah. Uh, Cheadle is out it seems and it's I don't know just a, a lot of guys in the roster that are like hmm, a lot of minutes for you pal yeah for a, for a situation sure. this big it's just well yeah it's I just mean, not all that great of a roster and that I, especially their defense beyond Adam Fox I don't love it so I think that's a that it, the, the advantage has to be for Tampa I know maybe, maybe they don't have the uh, home ice advantage but I still think they, they have a major talent advantage even without Braden Point but Great Point has not been ruled out for game five yet. So
1: Right. Well, and one one other stat I just want to give, too, just to, again, further give Shisterkin credit. In this series, even including the last two games in which they lost, against Tampa Bay, he has not had a game where his goal saved above expected has dipped into the negatives. I mean... it it, it comes down to it it's just the team isn't isn't holding up their end of the bargain and again it's it's a lot of what we saw in the regular season where it's he's the one that has kept them afloat and is keeping them afloat and elite goaltending obviously has gotten them this far but the rest of the roster just hasn't shown up on a consistent enough basis you know especially these last two games in this series and that ultimately is seeming like it's going to end up being the downfall for them and even though
0: I don't like the idea of tampa going to three straight cups or winning cups or or tampa sports fans even though you know like the lightning fans aren't as bad as the Rays fans understand that i don't like all the success that's going on in tampa right now but i do want tampa to play colorado and i'll tell you why right after we hear a word from our sponsor so our sponsor you might remember is DraftKings. kings uh DraftKings is a Sports betting app, you may be familiar with them. So, hockey fans, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably are. The Pursuit for the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet just $5 in any team to win. You get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So, are you looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With DraftKings' same-game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets – like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win, You get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. So here's the thing with the NHL. I was actually just thinking about this. It kind of hit me. I was thinking about the era we grew up in. We were born into this era. We started watching hockey in this era. It's it's our first memories. I would say the era was dominated first by the Red Wings and then secondarily by the, the Devils, Colorado, and then if you want to give a fourth team, that would be the Stars And here's what I noticed. There was a shocking lack of those teams actually meeting in the cup. A lot of good conference finals, especially among the wings, abs and stars. Mm. Maybe it's just because it was just New Jersey. But like I was thinking about it. I was like, yeah, New Jersey and Detroit met in 95. Big disappointment, though. It was a sweep. It was not a good series. And it was it was weird. It was not it it was a weird, non-dominant sweep. You don't really get those a lot. It was not like the sweeps that would come after the Four straight sweeps, and there hasn't been a sweep in the, in the Stanley Cup since. Uh, Colorado gets a, for the first time in 96. So I would say, by the way, this era runs 95-03. to 03. I think you would agree with that. And then Detroit keeps being good after that, but that's a different Detroit team. Right. So 96, the Avalanche, their first year as a team, they make the Cup, and they play the Florida Panthers. <laughs> Big disappointment. That is a dominant sweep. 97-98, and Detroit finally, finally, after all this time, makes it back to the cup. They do it in back-to-back years and they are just sweeps over the Flyers We're pretty good and would be the fifth team in this era, I guess, if they had more reliable goaltending and the Washington Capitals who sucked. They unfortunately beat the Sabres to get there. Uh, swept both of them. 99. The stars make it now. They finally break through. And Who do they play? The Sabres. I know Hashik made that an interesting series, but come on. I mean, I'm sure people were looking to see. So a team with a little bit more star power than the Sabres. Two thousands a little better because it's stars versus uh the devils yeah, unfortunately that was just if you remember it that's there was i believe a, a game in that series where one of the teams had like six shots i, I think it was, today's the stars. anniversary
1: of uh madonna scoring in triple overtime too if i'm not mistaken today being wednesday
0: uh in that cup what, what game was that
1: i think it was game six wasn't it that extended it to game seven or game five maybe it was game five that moved it to game six
0: must be because yeah because the it was a six-game series, and uh, Jason and Arnott scored the winning goal. But then that's what It was in the game overtime.
1: five. Excuse, I forgot which one the triple overtime was, but that was, yeah, game five. Then Madano ends up scoring the game winner.
0: Oh, okay. Interesting. And then, like, all right, so you move on to a one. That's a great matchup. Seven games. Ray Bork wins. Very memorable. But then you move on the next year. Detroit finally uh, doesn't get upset. And what happens? They play Carolina. They play the Kevin Weeks Carolina Hurricanes in the mm. cup. And then 3 the Devils play the the Mighty Ducks. So what you're noticing this trend is that we've brought it many times. It's also the case with Tampa Bay the last two years, where Tampa Bay played Montreal, and then they all, they played Montreal, and before that, they played Dallas. Two teams that were kind of surprises to get to the Cup at some level. A lot of surprise I just mentioned there, and I think it's just something that we've brought up multiple times, that there are teams that make the Cup by surprise, usually on the – the back of a hot goalie but they almost never win for some reason they can make it all the way to the final and not win very strange but i guess it's what what's worth noting what i'm getting at here is we missed out we missed out on like a detroit a good detroit new jersey stanley cup or we missed out on like colorado playing i don't know a philadelphia team that had decent goaltending. like all these things like detroit made all these cups. wait when,
1: when was that one <laughs>
0: Anytime in Phil, anytime Philadelphia, like Philadelphia was good, like the mid nineties to the two thousands, and they had a different goalie every year.
1: Well, I was gonna say that that was the part I was like, "What are you talking with, with the goaltending thing? When have they yeah. ever had good goaltending in our life?
0: Seventies? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's what I'm kind of getting at. That was that's a missed opportunity. Like I can't count Philadelphia in good conscience as one of the teams of that era because they made one cup and got swept, and they could never, you know, stop the puck. Right. Like, and I guess Lindros has heard all the time, but yeah, you, you get what I'm saying. Like there was not no, good matchups those years. Like I say that era was dominated by those teams and you have cups with Florida, the capitals, the sabers, the hurricanes, the mighty ducks. Like, and even the mm-hmm. next year, Tampa, that Tampa team in 04, the other Tampa team that made the cup short lived, great team, partially because of the lockout, but they make their cup. And they play a very unspectacular Calgary team. As another team that gets hot. So that's why I want to see like in this era, you know, Tampa versus Colorado, they're both at full strength. They're especially if point comes back, if Gerard's able to come back, we'll see about Kemper. I think these guys are all really still up in the air. If they're all able to come back, that's especially good, but whatever. You don't need everyone back. This is both of them. They're at their peak. This is Tampa chance to win a third cup, Colorado with a chance to win their first cup as a, as this version of the team. Something you don't get a lot of. Like, we got some some decent matchups recently. But, like, we also got... Nothing to this level, though. No, I, I mean... At least. Yeah, no, I like completely. The, like, I would say, like, the 2019 Cup, the Bruins and Blues, not that neither of them deserve to be there, but, like, both of them are, like, a B-plus Cup teams, I would say.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, 2018, Washington, awesome. The first-year Vegas, weirdly the worst Vegas team, but talent-wise, but uh, they've made it the furthest. The 2016-17 cups, it didn't really feel like Nashville and San Jose were on the same level as Pittsburgh, although 16, I would say, a lot of star power. 2015, like, awesome, Chicago. Tampa wasn't super ready yet, I wouldn't say. Wasn't, didn't have the depth they have now. Mm-hmm. You know, things like that. I guess it, the last one where it was like a real matchup of Titans is probably 2013 with Chicago and Boston. That definitely felt like the two best teams in the league to me at that time. Yeah,
1: I would agree with that. And, you know, again, like just furthering your point, I mean, it really is across all levels that these teams are so evenly matched up. I think the only one where there's a clear advantage is in goal for Tampa. But when it comes down to it, I mean, you have elite forwards at the top of your lineup who are just consistently going to show up night in and night out for you. On Tampa side, obviously, there's Point, Kucherov, Stamkos with Colorado, Randon, McKinnon, Landeskog. Then you have that number one elite defenseman with Makar and Hedman on either side, but you also have great supplemental pieces on each side. With Tampa, you have McDonough and Sergachev. With Colorado, you have Taze and Manson and you know, and and Byrum. Um, and then you know, it's the depth throughout the rest of the lineup, too. You guys you have just random guys who are able to be contributors for you. I mean, on on Tampa, like you look at a guy like Ross Colton for example and on Colorado you have a guy like JT Comfort like there's there's a lot of parallels there the advantage like I said really comes down to goaltending with Tampa but I think that just the way that this Colorado team is built if you that and, and we'll talk about this obviously more in depth if this ends up being the series but I, I would say going into that series I would put my money on Colorado to do it to be able to, to walk away
0: with the win even with the question marks and goal would you agree with that? I think so. We'll see if any of the guys I mentioned are back. For this Fair series. enough. That would affect Tyler. want out. to
1: talk about something Sabres related.
0: Yeah. Our, our good pal Ryan king. Miller was inducted to the greater Buffalo sports hall of fame. Absolute
1: King, completely well-deserving Miller, as we all know, is one of the most beloved figures in Sabres franchise history, of course. But on top of that, I mean, he has the numbers to back it up as well. He's the franchise leader when it comes to, Uh, games played, wins, and saves, and he is only second to the greatest goaltender of all time, Dominic Hasek, in franchise history for shutouts and save percentage. He, as we all know, too, is the winningest American-born goaltender in NHL history Very, very well deserving, a huge part in the community as well. I think that's the other side of it is that we all love Miller for the memories that he was able to give us on the ice. But on top of that, he just felt like one of those guys that really, really entrenched himself in this community and repeatedly gave back and wanted to just do more than just being a popular athlete. And I I think that's a huge part of the reason why he's so beloved in this area and completely well-deserved. I mean, he's one of the best sabers of our lifetime he might be the best saber of our lifetime if we're being honest one of the best sabers of all time just an all-around a-plus dude so i'm curious for your perspective on that taylor just in general you know your thoughts on ryan miller and where would you rank him among sabers lore in terms of all-time greats
0: Hmm. well for starters wearing a sabers uniform
1: specifically just wearing a sabers uniform
0: yeah that would be like Hmm. In terms of ranking them, you'd have to put Hasek, Perot, Martin, Robert ahead of him, And then he's on the it's hard to say on a level because like at that point, it comes down to how much those teams mattered. So it's like did Dave Andrews have a better savers crew than Ryan Miller, I actually don't know. It's probably close.
1: LaFontaine. Um,
0: LaFontaine so that a shorter very,
1: stint, though, too.
0: Very short stint. Same with McGillney. God, a yeah. lot of these guys have short stints. Howard Chuck.
1: Yeah, we're talking about um, 11 seasons in Buffalo for Miller.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, he's definitely the maybe like fifth in that area. Danny Gare is someone who would also worth mentioning. Um, yeah, somewhere in that fifth or sixth range. Like, he's very important, I think, just because he had, he had longevity, meant a lot to the community. Like you said, he was good for those good teams. Then also, there's the 2009 10 season where he was the best goalie in hockey also almost helps us win the gold by himself it's a far superior Canada team so that's all uh very impressive uh so you know I think our uh, I, we've gone over Miller a lot recently ever especially since he retired last year but it, I, I'd like to shout out the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame too because they do a really good job when I was with um, interning with the news a couple of years ago I did some features on their inductions and they really go all over the place they don't just they're not just a professional sport. So like they have Bills and Sabres that are inducted and those Bills and Sabres will show up and they'll be with their, with like a former high school basketball coach or a former star from around here. Like, like when I did the, the features, like one of the people that was getting in was um, a guy named Eric Schloppy, who was a Hamburg native, who was an Olympic skier and is married to Summer Sanders, probably how you would know him more. That's why Summer Sanders is a Bills fan. If anyone was ever wondering. Um so shout out Summer t- Sanders, big fan oh, of the yeah. pod. Yeah, I'm sure she is. So it's just it's a really cool organization and what they do because they really pay attention to high school, college sports around here, mm-hmm. uh, the bandits, the bisons, the sabers, and the bills, and maybe someday the Buttes. Yeah, well, and
1: and just to, again, just further emphasize your point there, we could go through the 2022 inductees. So you have Jeff Anastasia, who's the winningest boys basketball coach in Western New York history. From from Olean, right? High school, correct, yes. Uh, Gordy Bacatti, who is a four-sport standout at Lackawanna High School. Um, Let's see, the Cott family, who multi-sport stars, best known for their talents on the baseball diamond. Jim Hanley, sport fisherman and successful TV host. Bob Kaufman, three-time NBA all-star who starred on the hard court for the Buffalo Braves. Cora Livingston, pioneer of women's professional wrestling. Don McMahon, tournament director for the Porter Cup and Niagara Falls Country Club. Of course, Ryan Miller, as we mentioned. Jim Nowicki, founder and race director of the Subaru for Mile Chase. Emily Reagan, uh, Olympic gold medal. What's that?
0: Yeah, from Nichols, right?
1: Yes, yeah. Olympic gold medal uh, rower, three sports star at Nichols and an All-American at Michigan State. Uh, Susan Shlopkoff, who is an award-winning equest- equestrian trainer. And then mm-hmm. Tim Wynn who is a two-time Western New York Boys Basketball Player of the Year uh, at LaSalle High School. Also a Bonnie. And a Bonaventure. He took them to the tournament in 20 or 2000, actually.
0: Yeah. So that's, yeah. A, that's a great point. That's Waiting really cool. Win. I appreciate that they do that, for sure. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, congrats to Ryan Miller. And this also reminds me of my one of my pleas, the Pagulas bring back the Sabres Hall of Fame.
1: Ryan well, Miller should be in that. That's what I was going to say. I think that that just leads to the greater conversation about the Sabres needing to revamp that. You know, you've we've seen at least more and more how they've been getting a little bit more engaged with some of the alumni, the amount that they had come back for, you know, Rick Jennerette's banner raising ceremony when they did the, the decades nights last year, they had guys come back who played in each respective decade, which is great, but, There's just so much more that we can do. And now it's, you know, it's made sense, especially throughout the entirety of the drought, because it's like, okay, well, the on ice product isn't great, but give fans something to at least be excited about. Now we're getting to a point where the momentum is getting there with people getting excited about the Sabres again. So this, even though it was the perfect time for the past, you know, whatever, 10 years now it seems even more like it's the perfect time because people are getting more and more engaged with the team again. And so I think there's a lot of guys that are overdue from that, that you can consider. I mean, Ryan Miller for sure, but even looking back at some of the other guys, like is Miro Chetan in the, in the Sabres hall of fame? No. I mean, he probably has a case for it right there. You know, we've talked 10%. Yeah. We've talked about Briere and Drury being a possibility. Maybe you get in, get Brian Campbell involved. Um, you know, there's just so much they can do and then also on top of that too i don't know if it's something that happens you know within the next year or two but i i still think that it's absolute i know the sabers have too many numbers retired i get it completely if you could take down a couple guys like i don't know if danny garen necessarily needs to have even though he's obviously an all-time saber great but like it's worth having the conversation about ryan miller getting his number retired here
0: yeah, they're probably not gonna unretire anyone's number. Well, no, of course not. But like that's what I mean. They, that shouldn't hold they, them back. They famous. Well, I was I guess we'll see when they move to a new uh bills are, uh Bill Stadium. Will they bring all the retired numbers or all of them minus one? <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling
1: 32 might open back up. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Or wait, is that even retired? I know he's on the wall actually, but he's not that number is not retired, is it? No,
0: no, I should say yeah, an, an honored number. Because in, in football, they would never be able to retire all those numbers. They're just right. You know, right. There's like a billion people on the wall. Remove a name like, from like, the wall. Brown is Brown is how how annoying is this? What's that? that? there's there's a billion people on the wall and there's no Ruben Brown or Eric Molds. I don't like mm-hmm. Eric Molds. He was you have to he's great without any qualifiers, but you could also just throw in the qualifier that he was being thrown to by like Todd Collins, Rob Johnson, Doug Flutie, so yeah, not a lot of great quarterbacks throwing to him, but like Reuben Brown was just no qualifiers. He made eight straight pro bowls. I don't remember mm. another bill making eight straight pro bowls. I can't think if of it. Reuben news. Brown's number. That's insane. Dominant. Yeah. He still lives in the community too, doesn't he? Oh, does he? I didn't know that. I, I, I know like he, he does. He played elsewhere um a little bit after he was with the Bills, but maybe he's back. I don't know why I thought he was for
1: whatever. I could be wrong on that. Somebody could fact check me or I'll have to look that up. But Yeah. Yeah. Well but anyways though. Taylor, do you have any go recommendations? Ryan Miller. Oh, Go Ryan Miller.
0: Do you have any recommendations for the people? Um one thing is a reading recommendation. It's actually just something I was going to bring up. Once again, we were featured uh, in an interesting way in a down goes Brown athletic article, which was creating a starting lineup for every team based on guys who didn't win a Stanley cup with you, but went on to win a Stanley cup somewhere else. So do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay. So who was, how are we uh, featured? Who was on there? Oh boy. We had a really good one. We were one of the best ones. Yeah. So it's a hard one because it's like, this person cannot have won a Stanley Cup before they got to your team. They can't win with you and they have to win somewhere else. And they have to have been good with your team and played a little while. So the obvious one, Hashik is there, of course. Um, McGillney is there. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on who well says. Oh, well, let me think here, because one that drew uh, kind of like drove me insane is that. Shatan wasn't even in the starting lineup because how good it is. So the defense one was Richard Schmelik and Brian Campbell. I believe Schmellick won a cup? Yeah. Oh three. I actually should look this up now so I don't sound stupid because I'm I'm forgetting someone very obvious here. Um with the Fords. Well, Anderchuk. Anderchuk won a cup too.
1: Right, of course. Wow. I guess I did not realize that Schmelik ended up winning one.
0: Yeah, he was kind of an extra guy. I don't I had no idea before. Um I even uh looked at it, but yeah, I'm looking at it now. So it's kind of insane like how good the Sabres are. Considering the Sabres, you know, we're not an original six team. So it's it's uh it's not the easiest thing in the world to to put together this team, but God, we were so much better than most of these other teams. I mean Hashik helps, but I'm forgetting the center here, I believe. Hold on, I'm looking at it now though. I think uh the a pretty good one. The kings are actually pretty good on this flyers flyers are unsurprisingly are, are pretty good as well oh yes of course ryan o'reilly how could i forget uh uh-huh. o'reilly Andrew and mcgillney campbell schmellick and Hashik. so i got everyone but him and here's here's a some pretty wild ones no shatan no vesna winner tom barrasso wow no Uwe Krupp. Mm. Although, would you put Uwe Krupp over Richard Schmelick?
1: God, that's a question right there. Um, no, no,
0: no. I don't know. Krupp, is, he played for a while and was interesting. Yeah. Cooler name. Well, they both have cool names, but. Mm. Yeah, it's it's really wild. So Schmellick was like a really, really solid defenseman for a long time. Campbell, long-time player and an all-star. Not going to be a Hall of Famer, but like he's the kind of guy that if you played for one team long enough, definite team Hall of Famer. And then like McGilney, 76-goal scorer. Andertruck, 600-goal scorer. Ryan oreilly Selkie winner. Hashik, the greatest goalie of all time. And Tom Barrasso, Vesna winner. It's wild. Like, let's compare it to this. A team that's only four years younger than us, the Capitals. Their team is forwards, Bob Carpenter, Ryan Walter, Nick Kiprios, defenseman Scott Stevens and Sergey Gonchar, and goalie Cristobal Huey.
1: Jesus, Cristobal Huey, there we go.
0: Yeah, I mean, and he barely played for them. Like, Stevens is great, but and actually they're, both their defensemen are great. But, yeah, that's terrible forwards and Cristobal Huey in that. Like, it's a scene that's almost the same age as us. It's wild.
1: Yeah, we should really uh, do something about that and maybe win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, that wouldn't change it, unfortunately. It wouldn't, but there'd be less guys that you'd be able to pull from if you did this same exercise in a few years. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's more what I mean.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Man, wild how many guys have gone out of the Stanley Cup. I had not realized. Crazy. Well, yeah, so I, actual recommendation. Um, should I recommend a show or a TV show? Well, you know what? The TV show finale that I'm thinking about is coming up next Should week you Saturday. recommend
1: a show or TV show?
0: Sorry, TV show or movie? Oh. <laughs> uh wise. yeah. I you uh do both. both. No, you know what? I'm going to save the TV show stuff cuz the season's not over. Who knows, maybe the finale'll be terrible. Okay. So let's go with a movie. Uh I watched this for the first time, Michael Mann classic Thief. Uh you know, might know Michael Mann best for Heat, which is a uh, one of the one of the greatest uh, American films of all time. Thief also great. Stars uh, James Kahn as a thief. Uh, interesting labor undertones to this movie and it's uh, it's a great time you know the the kind of picture they don't make anymore a lot of time spent in diners a lot of a lot of grimy fellas some interesting uh relationship stuff so i thought it was good and it's on uh amazon prime for free i think nice. so i'll have more coming up because i have two tv shows to finish that'll be done this week uh and then it's going to be a busy movie month i should have Every episode, I should have a new movie, hopefully, or Ooh. TV show. Let's go. All
1: right. That's really cool, then. Nice. Yeah, I don't really have one right now just because I'm in the midst of watching a few shows that I need to finish at this point, so one of which is like on a new season right now, but I'm not all the way caught up to that yet even, so once I get with the boys, I I have been really liking that. I know I keep talking about that. You need to watch that, Taylor. You, I think I that'd know. be really up your alley. Um, Someday. And then I have to still watch the fourth episode of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but that's, that's out today. And so I got to finish that, but there's only six episodes of that. So in a couple of weeks that'll definitely be my recommendation because I've been really, really enjoying it. So yeah. uh, And we can, since it's the off season, it'll probably actually, no, it should definitely be the off season by the time that's done. So maybe when we do that, we can have our, uh, our straight up Sabres S-A-B-E-R-S episode where we just talk about Star Wars for an episode. (laughs) Oh, Wow. (laughs) So we'll see. Stay tuned, fellow Star Wars fans. Maybe we'll do that and can get mad at each other about Star Wars. It'll be a really great time. Actually, our Star Wars opinions, I think, are pretty in line for the most part. I don't think they are, if I'm being honest. Really? I don't think they're in line. Not really, no. I think, think movie wise, like we were pretty connected on that. Like with the pre or with the sequel trilogies, like we didn't like The Rise of Skywalker. We both liked The Last Jedi. I like The Force Awakens. I don't know if you like that one or not. No,
0: not really. And I didn't That's really like The Last crazy. Jedi that much either. Really? So, yeah. I mean, oh, okay. I, I respect it. Like oh, it was yeah. a swing. But like I, I should say I respect it a lot. I'm um,
1: talking, I'm not talking about them in terms of like greater Star Wars. So I'm just talking about them themselves. Like those three movies realistically aren't in my. I don't think any of them would be in my top five. not definitely not Star Wars content. They not even close for like just with like including shows and everything. But movie-wise, yeah, they're not even in the top five, I would say, either.
0: Wow. Maybe I would uh just spend like a half hour listing my favorite thing is from the last 45 minutes of Rogue One and first season and a half of Mandalorian. Did you not watch season two of Mandalorian? Yeah, that's why I said season and a half. I oh. watched season two. Wait, what's that? Yeah, I watched it. Why just season and a half? Uh, I don't like this <laughs> Boba Fett guy hanging around.
1: Kind of <sighs> harsh in my vibes. Jesus Christ. Here we go. Here we go. Well, I've talked about him before too. Uh, the Rebels TV show, the animated, like the 3D animated one. That is maybe some of the best Star Wars content. And I know people think that when you hear anime and anybody who is a fan of this show, which I have so many friends who are also always has to preface it by being like, just cause it's animated it doesn't mean it's a kid's show. Cause it's super not it. I mean, it it's, you know, whatever, but like, there is some graphic wild stuff that happens in that show and it's really good. And they are now bringing all of those characters into live action, like an Obi-Wan Kenobi, the grand inquisitor. For those of you who've been watching that guy was introduced in star Wars rebels. Um, the uh, ahsoka who showed up in the mandalorian she started in star wars the clone wars and was also in rebels and then a bunch of characters from rebels are going to be in the ahsoka show that's coming out next year which is essentially going to be a continuation of the animated series so if you're looking for something uh star wars Kenobi's been good so far, but I I definitely recommend Star Wars Rebels because once you that's one of the shows where it's like the first season is really them finding their footing and then the finale of the first season is really good. And then from the second season all the way through to the end, which is the fourth season, it is like prime time, really, really great stuff. A lot of really good crossovers, bringing in, you know, characters from the original uh, movies as well, like Vader, Leia's in it a little bit, Lando's in it. So very cool, while also introducing some new characters on top of that, too, that are very interesting. So definitely recommend. But we'll talk about Kenobi when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi, when it gets there. You should really watch it, though. I know you haven't yet, but you should. It's been pretty interesting. We'll see.
0: I got to check with my Star Wars people. Am I not your Star Wars people? Well... In some ways, I think if I had a question about the Star Wars greater universe, you'd be the first person I ask, but not for recommendations because you just recommend everything.
1: I get people
0: that'll tell me not to watch stuff.
1: Uh, I mean, there's stuff I would tell you not to watch. (laughs) I mean, did you tell me to watch Boba Fett? No.
0: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, you recommended it like two months ago, I think. I recommended recommended it it once the
1: Mandalorian showed up. once oh, he showed up yeah. in the film, I then i was like okay school. this is sweet now i mean it wasn't that bad anyways like i don't know i'm i think the difference too and this just comes to movies in general is that you're a lot more critical of things than i am a lot of times i just watch stuff and i don't mean that in a bad way i just a lot of times like when it's stuff that i like or generally speaking i just watch it to just try to find some enjoyment in it and i more so focus on the things i like rather than what i don't like that definitely is not applicable to like the rise of Skywalker, like episode nine, for example, because there's definitely a lot more that I didn't like about that movie than what I like. But for the most part, like, especially with Marvel and stuff, I know you and I have a lot of disconnect with that because a lot of times it's just like if they do some things differently and it's a good story and there's good acting performances and just like, there's something that makes it stand out a little bit more than like I can get down with it. Whereas I feel like in general, you're a lot more of like a movie person than I am. And so you watch things with a little bit more of like a critical eye and like, look to like point out things that should have been done better or differently. Would you agree
0: with that? Yeah, but I still do like most things I see. I, I most disagree with that. Well, here's the thing. I've seen 14 new movies this year and I like 13 of them. Really? What was it yeah. for last year? Um, I, well, I saw last year was weird because movies didn't really come back to like June but I saw like 50 something before the year ended. Or maybe I saw 50 something before the Oscars happened. I don't know. Either way, it was at least, I would say enjoyed enough, like more than two thirds. It's not bad. Yeah. Like really, like last year really was a dumping ground in some ways. <laughs> like after COVID, it was like, I ought to get this shit out of here. When people start mm-hmm. going to the movies and this year shaping up to be a lot better, especially this coming month, hopefully. But yeah, I don't know. Like, I I still think it, like, I enjoy most of it. Like, I'm definitely more critical than you, and I'm probably more critical than a lot of people. But I also think that I'm a lot less critical than other people who watch a lot of movies. Right. Like, I end up not, especially since I keep track of all, you know, how how I grade all the movies I watch, like, on Letterboxd. I don't, I look at other people who watch a lot of movies, and they're way more critical than me. Like, I, I think if I looked at my Letterboxd stats right now, like, I would say, like, 15% of the movies I've watched on there I've given uh, between zero and two and a half stars and the rest have gotten between three and five okay okay but like yeah I mean I guess it's more critical of like the huge budget stuff because there's so it's so concentrated now and there's so little mid-level stuff and it takes up so much oxygen that's like if it's all we're gonna if it's all this gonna be in the culture or these these things and like pe- people I, I think have to be more critical of it the other thing though is like the marvel stuff is like i don't know i saw the first iron man in theaters, so it's been a while so like maybe i'm just tired of their shit
1: yeah that could be true I, mean- too. I, I was mostly just surprised like the one that really jumps out to me like that we had a pretty decent disconnect on i didn't think it was like crazy over the top, incredible or anything like that. But I liked Shang-Chi and I know you didn't really like that one. And Spider-Man actually Spider-Man is definitely the biggest <laughs> disconnect we've had.
0: Yeah, but are you percent. more surprised by Spider-Man or Shang-Chi?
1: What that you didn't like it? Yeah. Honestly, I would say Shang-Chi, just because of the fact that I could, I could probably sense from a mile away that you would have been like, of course that they were going to, of course, Toby and Andrew McGuire were going to be in it. I didn't
0: realize it was a surprise to everyone else. I thought
1: that was a, no, I'm not saying that. I think people generally speaking knew or had an idea that it was like a, a real possibility or was probably going to happen. But like, I didn't, because even though I knew that happened, I didn't let that take away of the excitement for when they were revealed to be in the movie. Like, I don't care. It was still cool. You know, that that's, I, that's not what thing. I didn't
0: like. But like, yeah,
1: I mean, um, the thing but is, with I thought, yeah, Shang Chi though, I was just going to I'll just say, though, I thought Shang-Chi because I admittedly think that there were more. I understand some of the criticisms that people may have had with like Spider-Man in terms of them, like not leaning into like the multiverse stuff enough necessarily. And I know you had some other things, too, but Shang-Chi, I just thought was like. Youth, I, I know you had said when we had talked about it after like we were walking out of the theater that you felt like it was just like typical formulaic, like Marvel. I disagree with that. E- generally speaking, no matter what happens when you have those coming of age, like I'm a hero now stories like one way or another. Yeah, the premise of it is going to be the same. But there was a lot of really, really interesting stuff in that movie that Marvel hasn't even really scratched the surface on, specifically with a lot of the action scenes and the fighting scenes I thought were Really unique and really cool. And just in general, too, I mean, uh, not Aquafina, but like there was a lot of really cool characters who were introduced in that movie as well, aside from Shang-Chi, like just like complimentary characters that I think had a lot of complexities to them and were very interesting.
0: Yeah. See, the Shang-Chi thing at the end of the movie was more disappointment than anything because the scene on the bus is probably the best MCU action scene ever. And the scene at like the fighting place on the scaffolding and stuff i'm calling it the fighting place i don't know what else to call it mm-hmm. this on the scaffolding scaffolding fight it's probably like the second best action scene they've ever done they, they've never done like leaned into these um like i guess asian martial arts type things but also like real hand to hand combat that doesn't look super choreographed like not just a marvel thing i think that's a big yeah. general um hollywood problem right now like sure. it just looks so choreographed but those ones are you know so good and having tony leung in there who he looks like he's like 45 but like he's super old um he looks you know really great anyway it being a different story with like the villain being his dad i know all the dads in the mcu are evil but this was a little not different necessarily
1: though you say that but i mean that's not necessarily true a lot of daddy issues there is a lot of daddy issues
0: but they're not all like the villains. they're not evil no no they're not all villains like well like star lord's dad tony's dad um natasha's dad off the top of my head they all yeah, have, but, uh, but even good like Gamora's dad. Wow, well, <laughs> that's different. I think. Yeah,
1: I think there's more complexities there when it comes to like Tony's dad. You know, I mean he's presented as to be a good guy in like the, in the first captain America movie. And obviously we end up finding out just like over the years and everything, the way that he raised Tony, that was not necessarily great, but
0: yeah, it's not so much bad people, but more like daddy issues. Right. But
1: I think that's Um, kind of the premise of, you know, the, the point is that in a lot of instances and pretty much all superhero movies is that there's some form of trauma that they have to deal with. And a lot of times it's family related. And so kind of makes yeah. sense to me at least i'm not like going in i don't know like I, that that's not something i feel like that would prevent me from liking a story or, or no let so that.
0: basically what i was going to say is a lot of that seemed interesting i thought a lot of the humor fell flat and i think where it started to fall apart for me was the trevor slattery stuff because it's just like shane black's joke but like told 20 more times and so i didn't really like that uh i don't i guess it this is, speaks to the kind of wearing on you thing is like how many secret societies are there in, in this world? Like
1: That's the point of them being secrets, they, I
0: guess. Right. <laughs> yeah. But they're all like all insanely powerful. They're not like the, the Elks lodge, but like secret, they're all like, they can overthrow governments and stuff. It's like, damn, I think a lot of this, more of this stuff would come to a head with all these things going on. Uh, but that, so that annoyed me too, that that was a thing. And then basically from the Trevor Slattery point on, they get to the really cool other village, secret magic village which was interesting uh but then it's like okay how how are we gonna end this this movie that's had all these really cool fight scenes and it's like we're gonna have two cgi dragons bump into each other for like the longest time ever it was like four hours of these things just bumping into each other and then like the most generic like you gotta remember who you are and then that was it and that's that's what sucked about it and then like Like, everyone just focused on, like, the good stuff, which I guess is fine. But it's like, man, that was disappointing. That's a disappointing way for it to end. And it's just like, can any of these movies just end without a bunch? That's not not just a Marvel thing either, by the way. Any of these big action set pieces end without just a bunch of bullshit CGI and quips?
1: I'm really sorry.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I know you were a screenwriter uh, for Shang-Chi.
1: I was actually, and I'm a little disappointed hearing all of this. I put my heart and soul into that movie. God damn it.
0: Yeah. Well, see, you know, it's a lot more interesting to talk about uh, the me. Eternals because that movie <laughs> was fascinating.
1: Oh, your favorite. That's probably your favorite Marvel movie, right? <laughs> it
0: was, it was, I'll tell you what, at least that one we can agree on. Yeah. Well, I also think that movie was interesting because it's like, it, it's the kind of movie that you don't see a lot anymore maybe you do like it makes you wonder like why did they do x i think a lot of bad movies now big ones are like you know exactly why they did x why did they bring daredevil into the first scene of the new spider-man movie so people would clap and be like i can't believe they thought of that the easiest fucking thing in the world to think of
1: oh um like all those you're a like, thief of joy yeah.
0: <laughs> but like that I think it's so obvious why they do these things that go wrong. I mean, in some way, Rise of Skywalker is interesting in that way, but also I know why because it's because JJ Abrams didn't get to tell the story he wanted to all the way through, and that he wanted to be a dick the about original it. director for that. Um, oh, yeah, Trevor. I could do a
1: whole goddamn episode about why Colin Trevorrow should have just been the director of that, or they just shouldn't have had Abrams come back. I, I personally like The Force Awakens, even though I know it's like people always say it's like a retreat of. A New Hope, but I really liked it, and I initially I was kind of excited about Abrams coming back. I but at the end of the day, I think he botched it. I think there was just so many missed opportunities that they didn't capitalize on in that movie.
0: Yeah, well, that's what I was gonna say is Eternals is a movie where you could look at it and be like, why did they do that? That is, just, it's such a bizarre movie, and it's yeah. like not made by some nobody; it's made by an Oscar winner. Now she'd yeah. never done anything like helming a project like that, but just to be like, why? Why is Angelina Jolie acting like that? Why is she just standing there while the, the variants are? Why is there a variant that could talk? Why was that relevant? Why is Richard Madden not even acting in this movie? Why did they have that guy, Fatso, or whatever his name is, go to Hiroshima and, like, cry about humanity wasn't worth saving in what's ostensibly kind of a movie for kids and families? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. why, why did they do all this? And then why, oh, man, why do, why the whole plot line was Sprite? What was up with that? All of it, yeah. It's, it's I don't bizarre, know. it's, it's I a bewildering movie. They're gonna do another one, good for them. God bless All right, them, well,
1: well, we'll save these conversations further for another day. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share? Um, no, Ryan Miller is our mutual random Sabres player of the episode. I think we can both agree on that as well. Yep. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode of Straight Up Sabers presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabers. Make sure you're also going and checking out the other great shows apart of both of our networks and follow them on social media as well make sure you're following us on social media facebook twitter instagram you can find us straight up sabers and last but not least head over to DraftKings. use that promo code thpn and take advantage of great deals we'll be back with a brand new episode on monday everybody have a great rest of your week a great weekend this has been straight up sabers